If you're watching us on Facebook, we're really glad that you are watching uh, because today we are just into part four of a new series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you missed any of these parts, you can listen to it on our Facebook page. You can go to our website for the audio, or you can, I can get you a CD if that's what you want. Uh, we hope that you don't just experience church online today, but that you experience the presence of God right in your living rooms through the power of his word. Amen? So we're not doing a special sermon on the virus because Light and Life Church is being intentional about staying consistent and in keeping you in a normal routine as possibly as we can. And I believe Alan and others have been addressing uh, concerns about the virus on our 12-hour 12 12 hour live feed. So if you have any questions, if any of the leaders are on, you can always type in a question and ask them then, uh, and they can, uh, to their best ability, address those issues. Uh, last week, in the first part of part four, we discussed how to be empowered by the Holy Spirit through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his disciples in Acts chapter 1, do, do, don't do any ministry. Don't do any ministry in my name until you have been endued, which means until you have been provided with or baptized under the power of the Holy Spirit. We said that you have to understand that the Holy Spirit does come in at the point of salvation in us for relationship, but also the Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us to do what we are called to do. And there were two things that I just want to remind you on the screen uh, that we talked about last week uh, that we noted as we looked at the four accounts in the book of Acts of people being filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. Here they are on the screen. Number one was that whenever someone was, is baptized by the Spirit in the Bible, except for one case, it is a separate experience from them being born again. Whenever someone is baptized in the Spirit, it was a separate experience. Salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit for relationship, and then there was a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit where we pray that the Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us to do what we are called to do. Second thing was those watching these events, they always saw or they heard manifestations of the Spirit of God. Those were audible and visible signs when the Spirit of God baptized people. So we're just going to continue our discussion together today by turning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to turn there with me, uh, most, of, most of my scriptures, I think, except for one, will be on the screen this morning. I want to start out today by addressing a few questions and statements that you will hear people say about uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Now, this is a crucial les lesson on this topic because some of you uh, who are more mature in the faith are somewhat clueless about the gift of tongues. And also, we have so many new believers who just received the gift. In fact, last week, Katie just told me that three people were baptized in the Spirit and received the gift of tongues. <laughs> but you know what? They don't know what it's about. One of them said, man, I need to meet with you because I just received something that was crazy, and it was awesome, and it was powerful, but I have no idea how to use it. Uh, so instead, I said, well, why don't you just tune in this Sunday because we are going to be talking about that very thing. So here's the first question that I want to address, and you're going to hear this from people at times. I thought tongues were supposed to cease when that which is perfect has come. So well, let's get right into the lesson today, and we're going to read about this. 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. This is from the Apostle Paul. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. 
But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So when the Apostle Paul said, when that which is perfect has come, you have to understand, the people back then thought that Paul was talking about the Bible. Think about it. The the word of God written down. That way, if it's written down, we don't need a spoken language anymore because it will be written. So let me explain this in context. First, he also said in this passage, if you read with me, that knowledge will vanish. So let me ask you, has knowledge vanished? No. Let's go to verse 12 to make sure that we are not taking anything out of context here. Verse 12, Paul says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then when the perfect comes, face to face. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then when the perfect one comes, I shall know just as I am also known. So let me ask you, are you seeing Jesus face to face right now? No. Another question. Are you knowing Jesus right now exactly as he knows you? No. Then that which is perfect has not come yet. That which is perfect is talking about Jesus returning. It's talking about the new heaven and the new earth when everything that God intended in the first place will be put back into perfection. It's when we have our glorified bodies resurrected uh, with Jesus. That is what he's talking about. Because that's when we are going to be known as we are known, and that's when we are going to see Jesus face to face as he sees us. What a beautiful day that's going to be, right? So in your notes, if you're taking notes, I know Richard posted them online for you if you wanted to print them. Uh, Otherwise, you can just write this down or just listen. The answer, so the answer is tongues will cease, but that which is perfect has not come yet. Therefore, tongues has not yet ceased. Are you with me so far? The second question you will hear a lot is this. Does everyone speak in tongues? That question is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Does everyone speak in tongues? What's the answer you get? No. They do not all speak in tongues. That's what you usually hear from people. So there you have it. People usually will tell you not everyone needs to speak in tongues. Well, you have to read the whole thing into context. And the way that you read this in context is to realize that the New Testament speaks of four different tongues. Everyone say four. I'm so glad I have a few people in the audience today. (laughs) This would be really weird. Yes, four. the New Testament speaks of four different tongues. Uh, In your notes, two of those tongues are for public use or public ministry. It's, It's when you're ministering to one person or a group of people. And two of those tongues are for private use. Okay, so so two of those tongues that we're going to talk about today, we use in a public service or when we're talking to someone, uh, and two of those tongues are for your private prayer life, uh, and we'll go over that in a minute. So we're going to talk about each one of these in detail. The first public tongue uh, are, number one in your notes, tongues for a sign, tongues for a sign. 1 Corinthians 14.22 says, therefore, tongues are for a sign. Everybody say a sign. Okay, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. What does it mean that tongues are a sign to unbelievers? Well, John Bevere gave this example in our online class together, and I just want to read it to you because it was very, very powerful. He said that he was preaching uh, one time, and one of his staff members was sitting in the back of the church while he was preaching. She was praying in tongues. The whole time John was preaching, she thought, well, I'll just pray in tongues for him through this entire service. 
When the service was over, a gentleman who was sitting a couple rows ahead of her stood up and turned around and said to her, your French is perfect. Not only do you speak French perfectly, but with a perfect accent and with an ancient dialect of French. He went on to say, I'm a French teacher, and I have never encountered someone speaking it so well as you. She said, but I don't speak any French. He said, you're kidding me. She said, no, I don't speak French. The only thing I can say is maybe parlez-vous français. I don't know if I said that right. That's it. That's all I can say. He said, but you were speaking it perfectly. You see, it was a sign to him. Then he looked at her and he said, check this out. Not only that, not only were you quoting in French perfectly, you were quoting in French scriptures. And then the preacher, after you quoted them, would say, turn to your Bibles to that very scripture. You quoted it before he even said it. It was a sign to him. Are you following me so far? These were the kind of tongues that were manifested on the day of Pentecost. Those guys were untrained and unlearned and speaking perfectly in every language and dialect from all over the world. So in your tongues, just to get this down on paper so that you can remember it, these tongues that we're talking about, tongues for a sign, these tongues are a sign of the power of God so that people will be drawn to Jesus. Salvation, right? That is a tongue for a sign. That's the reason for tongues at sometimes, to draw people to Jesus. Listen to this, to draw people to Jesus. I just want to say something here before we go on to number two. The reason is that that is so important is that Christians need to stop being afraid of inviting their friends to their charismatic services. I want you to let that sink in for a minute. Because I know for a fact that a lot of you won't invite or are very scared and you pray all the way into the parking lot and through the front doors. I hope there's no tongues. I hope there's no tongues. I hope there's no tongues because I just don't want my friend to be afraid. Do you, can I tell you something? This generation that's coming to church right now is looking for signs and wonders. Now, of course, listen, I'm talking about charismatic churches who are following Paul's order of the gifts of the Spirit. Because people are not attracted to chaos. Amen? Okay. Number two. The next public tongue mentioned in the word of God are tongues for interpretation. In your notes, these tongues are heavenly languages. And there are no form of language like them on earth. You see how they're separate from the first one? There's no form of language like them on earth. That is why, in your notes, they need to be interpreted into the native language of those listening. Did you know that? Did you know that in heaven, there is more than one language? In fact, I believe there's many, probably too many to even count. In fact, did you know that Jesus is going to give you a stone? You personally, everyone's going to receive a stone from Jesus, and something is going to be written on that stone that only you and he will know what it says. Think about that. Does this amaze you at all? Revelations 2.17 says that on this stone will be written your new name, and no one will be able to interpret it except for you and Jesus. This is why I want you to hold fast, and as we just sang, focus on Jesus during this difficult time that we're in, because I don't want you to miss that day when Jesus hands you a stone with a message on it that only you and he can read. Wow, it's going to be an amazing moment. So there are heavenly languages in heaven. So instead of being scared of it, maybe you should start practicing it right now. 
<laughs> you know, right? On earth as in heaven. Because when you get there, you're going to hear them. So we should start practicing now. I don't know. I'm sick of living a boring, cowardly, uncharismatic, wimpy Christian life. And I refuse to go to a church like that. Amen? Now, we don't know how all of this works in heaven. But I'm just saying that I believe the word of God. So we better not be surprised when we get there. This language for interpretation is not a language of the earth. That is why no one on the face of the planet understands it. In fact, this one and the two private tongues that we will talk about in a minute are that way. They are, they are all three heavenly languages. But this one is special because it can be interpreted by humans into our language. That is why when it happens here on, at our church, we wait for the interpretation. Otherwise, what good is it if someone doesn't interpret the, the language into our native language, right? Are you with me? I can't tell you how many times uh, before I preached a message, someone during the worship service spoke out in their heavenly language, someone interpreted it, and it was exactly what I was preaching on. I mean, can you believe how humbling it is to know that heaven is, is basically confirming your message for the day? When someone gives you a word and, it, and the heaven is confirming that, yes, you're supposed to do that, or you're supposed to stop that, or you're supposed to start that. That is tongues of interpretation, and it is actually one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that 1 Corinthians talks about. Now, these first two public tongues uh, fit into the category when Paul was asking the question in 1 Corinthians 12, which we're going to go there right now. Does everyone speak in tongues? So let me read it to you in context. Ready? 1 Corinthians 12, beginning with verse 28. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Everybody say varieties of tongues. There's varieties. There's four. Okay, I, I'm not making this up. I didn't write this. 29, verse 29. Are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. Do all have the gift of healing? No. Do all speak with tongues? What tongues is he talking about? Public tongues that are a heavenly language that no one understands. The answer is no. Do all interpret? No. Paul is talking about the ministry giftings that God has appointed to be used in the church. So these two, in this case, no, not everybody speaks in them. So why is it that not all have these gifts in the church. The answer is found in the following verse in, or found in the following verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Go over to chapter 14 with me. I really want you to listen carefully to this. I know this is a lot to take in this morning. Why is it that not all have these gifts in the church? 1 Corinthians 14 verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign. That's the first one that we talked about. Not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Now listen to this next part. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place, like we are today, we are still in one place right here, right? And all speak in tongues at that church service. Everybody at one time. This is the second one that we talked about, tongues for interpretation. And there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers. Will they not say that you guys are out of your mind? 
So wait a minute. Did Paul just contradict himself? First, he says that tongues are for a sign, and they attract people to want Jesus. And then he says if you speak in tongues, they're all going to think that you're out of your mind. Listen, if you don't understand that there are four different kinds of tongues in the New Testament, you're going to think that Paul is confused, but he's not. You have to remember what we just talked about. That is, the first tongue is a heavenly language that matches an earthly language that you are not trained in and is for a sign for someone who, doesn't, who does know that language. God is attracting them to him. God is trying to reach them through the power of tongues. But if everyone in the room is just speaking their heavenly language together out loud and, and just out of control, unbelievers are people who don't know anything about tongues. They're going to think you're mad. That is the two public, different public tongues. Now, let's go to the third one. I really hope you're learning something new and fresh this morning. Maybe we can have a question and answer time on our 12-hour live feed. Can we maybe do that, Katie, Alan, Angel? Maybe this week specifically sit down and maybe go deeper with this interpretation and how the gifts work. Maybe you guys can correlate. Um, I'll let them handle all the questions, okay? Number three, our first private tongue. Tongues for personal prayer in your notes. Number three, tongues for personal prayer. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 if you're not already there. I have to tell you that this is one of the most powerful ones that I have experienced in my walk with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to pray and I didn't know what to say. Uh, actually, like this, this case with the virus uh, and trying to decide whether to close the church. I didn't, know, I didn't have anything else to say, so I just sat at home till 3 in the morning for three nights in a row and I just spoke in tongues. I didn't know what to pray. So when you don't know what to say, you just start praying in tongues. And I'm telling you, every time, I mean, every time that I just launch into tongues because I don't know what to say, I've got to tell you, heaven invade my, invaded my space. It doesn't matter where I'm at, in the bathroom, in my truck. It does not matter. The moment I just cry out to God in my heavenly language, heaven invades that vehicle. So I hope that everyone receives this gift so that you can experience what I've experienced with the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, beginning in verse 14. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. Everybody say, my spirit prays. Okay, we're praying in the spirit. But my understanding is unfruitful, unproductive. I don't understand what I'm saying. Did you hear that? When I pray in tongues, my mind does not know what I'm praying. Verse 15. What is the conclusion then, Paul says? I will pray with the spirit. Not with the congregation, not in public, but privately to the Spirit of God. It goes on, and I will also pray with understanding. That's your native language, Spanish, English, whatever it is. I will sing with the Spirit. So we've done that here at Light and Life, and a lot of you are really confused. Dusty was like, okay, guys, now just sing in the Spirit. And you're like, I don't know what that is. Um, so it doesn't mean that you just sing in tongues. Some people will just start singing in their, in their heavenly language. You can also just make up words that the Spirit puts on your heart. Uh, you can take the song that we're singing and just add words that the Spirit gives to you. That's what I often do. I put in words that, uh, that the Spirit is speaking to me about that song. Um, but it's in between songs when Dusty encourages us to sing in the Spirit. We sing in tongues or we sing words that the Spirit gives us. It is very powerful. It goes on. And I will also sing with understanding in your native language. So what the Apostle Paul is doing here is he's identifying tongues as a prayer language. Are you still with me? Paul actually said this as well in verse 2 of this chapter. Go up to verse 2, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. 
For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. You see, the first two are public. We're talking to men. So in your notes. But Paul tells us in your notes that when you pray in tongues, you are speaking directly to God. And I think that is why every time, for me at least, heaven will come down and invade your space. That's the word for the day. Heaven invades my space when I speak in a language, a heavenly language. Okay? All right. Now, I'm giving you a moment. Listen to what Jude says in Jude 20. Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up. Alex actually got a word from the Lord this morning about that, and Katie's going to come at the end and give you an activation for that. Way to go, Alex. Speaking and getting words from heaven. Woo! You, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Everybody say praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay? In your notes. Listen, this is why, this is why every believer should pray in tongues. Let me repeat that. This is why every believer should pray in tongues, because it builds your faith up for times like we are in right now. You want to push back the spirit of fear? Sometimes a simple church prayer doesn't work. Sometimes you just have to let God speak to fear himself through you, through tongues. And by the way, I I have spoken tongues angrily at times, right? It was actually a righteous God rising up within me. I didn't know what to say. I was afraid I would start cursing or just get so mad. I would, and and I just, he began to be righteously angry at sin, at sickness. Do you know how many times I have spoken tongues against cancer? I am so sick of that disease or even demonic forces. Now, you're going to run into people who will say, now this is a big one, the evidence that I have been filled with the Holy Spirit is tongues and tongues only. But I completely disagree. I believe that a person can be filled with the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. Now, how is that possible when tongues is the language of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit lives in us? Why aren't they then speaking in tongues yet? So I just want to share what John Bevere said about this uh, in our class uh, because it kind of explains it. Okay, he says this. Why? Why, why is not every person, every Christian speaking in tongues? Because they are not yielding to the river. Just like I can stand and wade into a river and not float downstream in the river. Because why? Because I'm not surrendered to the river. I will say this, he goes on. Everyone who is filled with the Spirit has the ability to pray in tongues. It, it's just maybe that they haven't stepped out into it yet. Because everything comes by faith. So did you hear the message there? Not everyone does, but everyone has the ability if you have the Holy Spirit in you. It's just some of us are either scared of it, we've denied it, we've kicked it out of our our thought that it's not for today, uh, or it scares us. For whatever reason, we are the ones that have just chosen not to move in this gift, this powerful gift that God has given us. We'll talk more about this in the next part of the series. You won't want to miss it. Let's move on to our last one. And this one is private as well. Number four in your notes, tongues for intercession. Tongues for intercession. Romans 8, 26 through 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. What is one of our weaknesses? For we do not know at times what we should pray for, as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered by us. 
Okay, this is what I was talking about earlier. When I don't know what to pray, I just launch out in tongues and the Spirit knows, what I, knows exactly what needs to be prayed and he does the rest. Now he who searches the hearts, verse 27 says, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So this is tongues for intercession. So I want to give you, I thought this was really interesting. I just decided to grab Webster, the, the, the dictionary, and I looked up the definition of intercession for just a basic understanding because Katie and Angel and Alan, they're going to explain it all perfectly later on. I was blown away by what I saw. This is literally a definition that Webster gives, and I found it interesting. A prayer to God on behalf of another person. Webster even knows that this is a biblical word. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So they're going to do a teaching on this t- this week and go in depth with it. So if you need to really tune in, I don't know what hour it'll be, so you really need to pay attention to our 12-hour live feed. Am I putting a lot of weight on you, Alan? He can handle it. Alan can handle it. So he's ready. Basically and quickly, one of the ways that intercession works is when God wakes you up in the middle of the night. This is just kind of like a hypothetical situation. Or you're quickened or moved in your spirit to stop and pray immediately. You don't know who it's for or what it's about, but you just feel like you have to pray. And then sometimes, not all the time, you find out later that that person was facing a life or death situation. Listen, at the very moment... At 3.07, when you woke up and began to speak in tongues, they'll tell you, at 3.06, I was in an accident. The very moment God asked you to pray, someone needed it, and you just didn't know who or what it was about. So if you want a great model of intercessory prayer, I'm going to really encourage you, and maybe the team can go there, uh, read Daniel chapter 9. It's a whole chapter on intercessory prayer. But also intercessory prayer uh, is used for spiritual battle. Uh, it's used to seek God's will for something in your life, and it's a lot of other things. I could, I, I could, if I put it in my own words, this is the way I would put it. Uh, when, I, when I'm in intercessory prayer, I'm going deeper. Um, so I don't know how else to say it in, in English, but... That's a going deeper prayer time for me if it's intercession. Um, when someone says we need to have intercessory prayer, that tells me that there's something that we need to really seek God for. Um, so we're just going to go deeper. We're going to get more serious. We're going to get rid of all of our distractions. We're not just doing it out of duty, but there is something God's calling us to pray for. I believe that God calls all Christians to be intercessors, by the way. Every Christian is called to be an intercessory prayer warrior. We are supposed to intercede for one another, the Bible says. Let me tell you something. I don't know what's going on with my mother right now. She lives in New York. I don't know what's going on with my son right now, Josiah. He lives in North Carolina. But you know what? The Holy Spirit does. And he will let me know if I yield myself to him. Amen? Let me end with a quote from John's book, The Holy Spirit, an introduction. How many are missing out today because they believe man's ignorant teaching of why tongues have passed away. Yet, hear God's heart cry in his word from 1 Corinthians 14, 5, when he says through Paul, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Wow, does that wipe out a lot of arguments. One passage. Some will say, well, that's Paul writing that. No. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, No prophecy of scriptures came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. 
For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that, that wipes it out. This was God speaking through Paul to you when he said, my wish is that everyone speaks in tongues. In your notes, 1 Corinthians 14.5 is God crying out, I wish you all spoke with tongues. The Spirit of God also spoke through Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12.1 when he said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant about this. This is why we're teaching on it. But then he makes an interesting statement if you're looking on the screen. In chapter 14, he said, listen, but if you run into someone who's ignorant, let them be ignorant. If anyone chooses to be ignorant, just like Katie was saying, you can choose to hold on to your chaos because that's what free will is all about. Or you can break down those walls and allow peace to come in. It's the same thing with the tongues. If you're listening to this and you're building up walls and saying, I don't agree with this, you get to choose that. And, and we're just going to let you be ignorant about it. This is how I interpret 1 Corinthians 14, 38. If you don't want to understand this, then stay ignorant. And miss out on one of the most amazing gifts and ability to communicate with the Spirit of God that we've been given as humans. And that is why Paul said this statement of the day that I'm, that's going to be the last thing on the screen for you. In 1 Corinthians 14.39. I think this is pretty interesting. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Now, why does God wish that everybody spoke in tongues? Why does God wish that everybody spoke in tongues? Well, I'm going to share, with, share that with you next week. <laughs> Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, baby. All right. Katie's going to come, and she's going to uh, give the word, I believe, that, Alec, that the Lord gave to Alex, and she's going to lead you through a, a short activation, and then I'm going to come back and pray with you and close our service out today.